Psalm 27. This is God's word. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord All the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me and such that breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. Let's pray and ask God for his help to understand his word. Our gracious God, we thank you for your word and this wonderful psalm, this wonderful declaration of confident assurance in who you are and what you have done. This declaration of faith. I pray, O God, that you would help me to preach it soundly and to do justice to your word in the hearing of your people today. I pray that you be with each one of us, that we might hear your word, that we might take it to heart and that we might know how to live it out in our lives in the week that lies ahead. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the great themes in all of scripture is that God is with his people. It's at the centre of what we call covenant 
theology. That's one of the ways the Bible uses to interpret itself. And so from the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, we see God walking in the garden with his people in the cool of the day. We keep reading in the Bible, we come to the Exodus and we see that God is with his people. He leads them through the Red Sea. He leads them in the wilderness by a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. He is with them. And then the life of David. We've just read one of the Psalms, but think of that most famous of Psalms, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. What does it say in the middle of Psalm 23? That we do not need to fear evil in the valley of the shadow of death because God is with us. Think about the promise of Jesus in the Great Commission. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then there is the Christian hope of eternity. We read at the very end of the book of Revelation, chapter 21, John writes, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Tabernacle there is another word for dwelling place. John goes on, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow and no more crying. And so throughout the whole sweep of scripture, we have this amazing promise or covenant from God. I will be your God and you will be my people. God will be with his people. That's central to what we believe and to who we are as God's people here on earth in the church. We are the covenant community of God. And by that we simply mean God is with us. Of course, we we see this most clearly, don't we, in Jesus you know the, the other name, one of the other names that Jesus has is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's really what Psalm 27 is all about. Psalm 27 is a hymn of praise, a, it's an outburst of praise to God. That no matter what, no matter where he is, no matter what he is doing, no matter what he is facing... That God is with David. And as Paul would put it a thousand years later in his letter to the church in Rome, if God is for us, if God is with us, who can be against us? And that's very much the tone of this psalm, isn't it? The, The picture I have in my head as I read through this psalm is one of a lone swordsman. And he's standing facing down a a crowd of his enemies. And it looks like all is lost, but here he stands. He's facing certain defeat, standing alone. But then over the hill from behind him comes some power, a, a towering warrior. And the presence that comes from behind him makes all of his enemies turn on their heels and flee. They run away. They run to the hills because the swordsman is not alone. God is with him. 
And so for us today, what I want us to do is to join with David in this hymn of praise because sometimes it can feel like we're alone. But you're not alone. You are not alone no matter what you face, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing or how difficult your circumstances. If you're a Christian, God is with you. God is with his people. And if God is with us, who or what can stand against us? Today from the psalm, I want you to hear the word of God. It's on the screen. Be assured. In this life, you will face trouble, but stand firm upon God and his promises. You see, as Christians, we can be assured. And I hope you noticed that as we read through Psalm 27, the, the assurance of David. The psalm opens with great words of praise and adoration for the God of the universe. And they're really focused on a lack of fear. There are enemies, many enemies around and about David. Verse 2, the wicked are coming, enemies that will eat up our flesh. Verse 3, an, an army is encamping against David. War is rising against him. And yet, look at the confident assurance David has. He does not fear. No one can make him afraid because God is with him. Because God is his strength and his salvation. He does not need to be afraid. David lives in great assurance. Not because of his own strength. Not because he has many chariots and horses. Not because of his fighting men. Not because of his army. But because of God. Because Yahweh is the strength of his life. I wonder, is that your experience? Is that how you feel? It's hard to say that it is. At least for me, I know it's hard to say this is my experience. It's hard to be as assured as David is in these verses. The things of this world can so often become overwhelming. Cares, worries, stresses, concerns about money, concerns about the future of of the church, concerns about the well-being of our children. All of these things can lead us to doubts, to questions, to sleepless nights. And perhaps even unlike David, it's not just our enemies, but sometimes our friends that cause us to face trouble. The criticisms of a friend at times are much more concerning to us than those of our enemies. Gossip, a snide comment here or there, past hurts resurfacing, could go on with that and then of course there are real and genuine enemies in our lives maybe you have to face bullying at work or in school maybe there's isolation or loneliness in your life and we can't forget the spiritual enemies we face the the temptation to sin even though we know that it's wrong and damaging I'm sure many of you have struggled with the question of your salvation. Am I really saved? How do I know I'm really saved? That's a question I hear a lot. How could God love someone like me? I'm useless. 
I'm no good. I'm worthless. But God's word is saying to you today, be assured. God is with you. Jesus is your light and your salvation. Who shall you fear? Jesus is the strength of your life. Of whom shall you be afraid? This is actually one of the really helpful rediscoveries made at the time of the Reformation. Just think about the Roman Catholic, the medieval Roman Catholic understanding that faith has to be joined with good works to produce salvation. If that's the case, then there's no assurance. Because how do we know that we've done enough? How do we know that we've added enough good works? But what the reformers discovered and what they realised as they read their Bibles is that our righteousness, our standing before God, is based entirely on the work of Christ. And so if we are in Christ, then we can be assured. Because it's his perfect record that we're relying upon. Not our record. And in Christ, God looks upon you and he sees his son. And that means you don't need to fear because you are perfectly accepted by God in Jesus. I want to read a quote from Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great Baptist pastor from London in the the, um, 20th century. Sorry, the, the 19th century. Spurgeon says this, if we stood before God in our own individual righteousness, our ruin would be sure and speedy. But in Jesus, our life is hid beyond peril. He says this, firmly believe that until God rejects Christ, he cannot reject his people. Until he repudiates the atonement and the resurrection, he cannot cast away any of those with whom he has entered into covenant in the Lord Jesus Christ. So hear God's word today. Be assured. Be assured in Jesus. That's what David points us to, isn't it? The the opening praise of the psalm leads us to verse 4. What is it David wants? One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Not to be cast away from God, to be accepted by God, to stay in God's house, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And scan down to to verse 8. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. And so we can can hear in the words of David what a great desire this is. And it's the great hope of all Christians to dwell in the house of the Lord. To behold God face to face. To see the face of God. To be in an everlasting and perfect relationship with him. I think it's really helpful for us to realise that's the end goal of our lives as Christians. That's what being a Christian is all about. You see, many people think being a Christian is all about getting saved. 
It's all about forgiveness from sins. And and don't get me wrong, those are absolutely essential things. But not because of themselves. It's because of what they lead us into. They lead us into an everlasting relationship with God that can't be broken. You know how it is, men, and I'm sure this happens for the women as well, when you're at home and you're getting the cold shoulder. You know, it's all picture and no sound. You've been there. You maybe don't know exactly what it is that you've done wrong, but nonetheless, you still want forgiveness. You want forgiveness, not simply to be forgiven, but you want the relationship to be restored. You want to be able to look upon the face of your wife with love. So it is with our forgiveness from sin. We are forgiven by God, not simply to have a clean slate, but so that we can be in a relationship, a covenant relationship with the one true and living God, to know the Christian hope of one day beholding him face to face in light and glory. A vision of Christ's face. And that's something we'll never grow weary of. If you visited the Giants Causeway every day of your life, you would become weary of it. It would cease to be amazing to you. But we will never in eternity grow weary of being in the house of God, living a perfect life of love and beholding our Saviour face to face being transformed to be like him in perfection and holiness. So be assured of who God is and what he has done for his people through Jesus. Who he is today and the promise of a future with him. Be assured. Because in this life you will face trouble. We see that with David in the psalm. It's not a garden of roses. David speaks very plainly about his enemies and armies encamping against him. And he also speaks very clearly about the times when it's hard to see God, when it's difficult to know God's goodness and know God's presence. Look at verse 9. Do not hide your face from me, do not turn your servant away in anger. And what about verse 10? When my father and my mother forsake me. Difficult times. Days of trouble. There are times when we have to cling to the truth of who God is. Cling to the truth of his word. Because it certainly doesn't always feel as if God is with us. You will face trouble. And in those times, you have to cling to the promises of God and not rely on your own feelings. You see what verse 13 says? I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David's in trouble. He's facing difficulty. Verse 12, false witnesses have risen against me and such that breathe out violence. And he says, because of this, he could have lost heart. God's word does not promise us smooth sailing in an easy life. It doesn't promise us that. You will face trouble. David knew that and my guess is you know it too. 
Maybe you're in the middle of that trouble right now. Maybe you're in a time of grief. And I know there are some here today who feel that very keenly. Others have been in that pain for years. Sickness. Maybe your own health or that of a family member. Struggle with finances. Tiredness, depression, anxiety. These are all real troubles in this world. I know this is personal. I don't often like to get personal, but I'm sure it applies to more people than just me. Maybe questions over the future of your children are in your mind. It's no secret that Kingsmills Primary School has now closed its doors. And let me tell you, it's been really rough. And I haven't even begun to think through the implications for the local area yet. Times of trouble. Our church is in trouble. We received a report at the General Assembly last week which paints a a pretty bleak picture for the future of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland as a whole. We are declining in number like never before. We have fewer and fewer active ministers because of a number of retirements. And all this has led us in our General Assembly to to begin considering what we're calling a radical reconfiguration of ministry. And this is definitely the sort of thing that keeps me awake at night. You will face trouble. But we do not lose heart. Look at what David does, and let me encourage you to do the same. Stand firm upon God and his promises. Stand firm upon God and his promises. Look again at verse 13. I would have lost heart unless I believed. Unless I had believed. You know, I simply don't know how people get by without faith. Unless I believe in the promises of God and the God who makes promises, I'm not sure I'd be able to get out of bed in the morning. The Christian person has hope beyond hope. Even in this psalm, we have this promise that we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. To know that no matter what happens to us, no matter what trouble comes upon us, There is yet still goodness from God to be seen in our future. Verse 14 tells us that we need to wait for that. Times we have to wait. We need to stand firm, not to waver and to wait upon the Lord. This is what God's word says to you today. Be of good courage. Even in the times of waiting. Even in times of trouble, in the times of need and times of difficulty, be of good courage. And God will strengthen our hearts to know him and to know his goodness. I think this is a a needed word of encouragement for many of us. There are times in our lives when it does feel like troubles are upon us and enemies surround us. We can feel like that lone swordsman. Standing, facing off against the mess and the muck and the mire of this world. And maybe that's where you you are right now. Maybe you feel all alone. Maybe you're wondering, where is God in all of this? Have you ever had that crisis? 
A time when it seemed as if God was not there. David says in those times, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Just as we finish, it's worth remembering that the Psalms are very much the songs that Jesus sang. And it's hard, I think, to read the second half of Psalm 27 and and not hear it on the lips of Jesus. Verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Isn't that exactly what Jesus went through on the cross? That feeling of being abandoned by God. The son of the father from all eternity feeling left alone by the father. And yet, even Jesus clung to the promise of verse 13 and verse 14. He stood firm knowing, knowing what Hebrews 12 teaches us, what we read at the start of our service, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus went through all of this, the intimacy and praise of the first six verses, The troubles and abandonment of the next six verses and the claiming of God's promises in the last two verses. Jesus went through all of that for you and for me. He endured the cross for the joy that one day we would come to him in faith. That we would repent of our sins and seek him, seek his face Seek to be hidden in him and seek to dwell with him forever. So take the message of this psalm to heart today. Be assured, because in this life you will face trouble, but stand firm on God and his promises. And know that you can have all of God's promises, all of them personally for you, when you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Amen.